Patrick, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the GOAT District, where winners come to hang. And happy Cinco de Mayo to anyone listening and watching. And to my boys, Dan, Theo, how are you guys? Uh, doing great, man. How are you, JD? Good, man. Good. Just recovering from the vax, uh, the vax shot from a couple of days ago. Yesterday, it knocked me on my butt. Uh, had the shakes, you know, stood in the shower for a half hour, a little hot water, went to bed, slept it off. Now I'm kind of good to go running off of Advil and, and that goodness. But um, Theo, man, how you doing, brother? I'm great. I'm, I'm excited. We have the NFL draft behind us. We have a lot of clarity on the guys we've been talking about for, for months now. And, uh, you know, we have our rookie drafts, uh, some going on now, some this weekend. So it's it's an awesome, awesome time for fantasy football. Such a fun time, man. There's so much going on, yes. and tonight, and that that's why tonight we make it a huge show. And 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 tonight, you're not going to want to miss this show. You're going to want to listen through. Grab your pen and paper. Get ready for your rookie drafts with tonight's show. And that's why we bring in a huge guest. We've seen the NFL draft. It's finally passed by. These rookies have landing spots now. We have a lot of new information. We've had a bit of time to digest. You know, obviously things are going to change as we move through this offseason but look we're talking rising stars with these rookies this guy to me is a rising star in the industry Theo you managed to work some magic your people worked it with his people we got it done welcome to the goat district Mr. Josh Larkey thanks for having me I mean what an introduction that makes me feel good so it's just going to be downhill from here so I'm ready to talk some football with you guys let's do this we're, we're just hoping that introduction will cut your appearance fee just a little bit. So. <laughs> uh, wish my soundboard was working right now, but uh, we'll, we'll get that fixed for next time. Uh, Josh, we appreciate you hanging with us tonight. For those who don't know yet, which I doubt are, are it's probably a few number, but it's at J Larky, L-A-R-K-Y tweets. Make sure you follow him out there on Twitter. Make sure you sign up to Codebreaker, which is part of the under, oh man, the under, oh wow, player profiler, the under, Roto Underworld Radio, Roto Underworld. it's a mouthful, yeah. Help me, bro. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody knows where, where to find the show, but make sure you're out there following Josh, and Josh, let me just ask you, Director of Analytics at Player Profiler and Roto Underworld, what exactly does that mean to those listening? So I'm involved with everything from the rankings to 
I write deep dive articles for the, for the site. I do the Code Breaker podcast. I some of the, some recent articles I've written was a, a big best ball strategy article for Underdog Fantasy, uh, a large piece on the history of pro day and combine forty times and why that player pro we do an adjustment on pro day forty times. So just so people can understand the numbers behind that, as well as background research. So a lot of the any type of big research that goes on with player profiler or Roto Underworld, there's a decent chance that I have I have my hands in that to some extent. And then also at Breakout Finder, I I do all the the statistical modeling for the breakout ratings for the Breakout Finder app. So I, I would say that I'm fairly well versed with the running backs and receivers when it comes to what type of metrics matter for these rookies quarterbacks and tight ends uh, potentially coming in the future. But for now, I, I'm more of the, the running back and receiver guy. We're halfway there. And then <laughs> right. uh, just other odd jobs, whatever, whatever uh, I can do to fit 50, 60 plus hours each week into some type of fantasy football work. I try and do that. So that's, that's kind of the, the gist of what a director of analytics might be doing on any given day or week. So it sounds like you do a lot of this stuff I don't understand. So I, I appreciate <laughs> that for, for, for bringing all that information to guys like me who you kind of get it on the other end, right? Yeah. I, it turns out that when you're built like 2-2 Atwell, like I am, 5-9-160, <laughs> there's a very good chance you're not going to run a 4-4 and be a star in college. And that's kind of what I was. Didn't play any kind of uh, college football, nothing like that. I played a year in high school. I was more of the the flag football warrior. So this was kind of a natural path for me to take all my football interest and football knowledge and try and apply it somewhere useful where hopefully I have a higher ceiling uh, in the analytics world than I did in the, the actual playing football world, which was incredibly low. <laughs> See, Josh and I have the opposite problem. I'm 5'9", and I'm built like an offensive lineman, except I'm 5'9". <laughs> See, Dan, I think the screen makes you, makes you seem tall. I always thought you were taller, so the screen's doing something for you. It, well, yeah, it's, a, it's all about how you have the camera set, baby. That's there you go. There you go. It's all about the angles. Yep. There you go, Josh. You'll, you'll learn that for the new, uh, the new uh, improved setup. Yeah. Now, talk talk to us quickly about that R coding site. So I went to grad school to learn how to code. I tried to learn a little bit on my own, and it was really difficult. There's not a lot of good, free, or inexpensive online resources out there. And one thing that I noticed in grad school, and I noticed it too in college when I started taking a couple coding foundation courses, the way that 99% of coding courses are taught is in class, it makes total sense baby steps. And then you get a homework assignment and it's just like, holy shit, what am I doing? Nothing I learned in class is even going to get remotely applied to this homework assignment. And you're up all night Googling for answers. <laughs> and quite frankly, that's just not efficient. Why not when someone's learning a new coding language, just like if you learn Spanish or French or one of these other uh, languages, you actually get baby steps the entire time. And they don't just say, okay, here's Shakespeare translated into this language time for you to learn it. So that's kind of what I tried to do with my course is baby step people and actually just give you the answers more and more as you learn the, the basic foundational concepts. 
And I don't really make you think too much until you already have that basic knowledge down. And that's a big fundamental thing that I really wanted to make with my course. And then the other one is that all of the data sets that you use to learn for coding and analytics are football data sets because the numbers come to life. And if you enjoy what you're learning, you're going to learn it faster. You're going to be more likely to learn it on your own because it's a virtual course. So you have to motivate yourself. So if you don't enjoy what you're doing, then you're never going to take the class. So I knew that I wanted it to be more interesting data sets because I learned with credit card fraud data. It's not very fun. I couldn't care less. I'm just going to swipe a credit card and just roll the dice. I don't know why I have to analyze that. So I kind (laughs) of wanted it to be fun data. And then I didn't want people to spend four hours a night Googling for information because that's just not efficient. So those are the, the two things that I, that I worked really hard to help my course stand out in where I drew upon my grad school experience and what I thought could be better about it. So that are coding site.com. If you want to learn to code for R and analytics. That's awesome, man. So guys go check Josh out Codebreaker. that are coding site.com. Um, just bringing a lot of goodness to the industry and to tonight. And before we dive into it, shout out to J Mike out there in the, in the uh, chat box, throwing out the flames for our guest tonight, for sure. Guys, subscribe, give us a little like nudge, a little subscribe, a little uh, reminder setting whenever we, we drop the shows ahead of time, just so you guys can not miss anything. We appreciate any of that. Theo, I'm going to go to you, man. You, you, you stepped up, you know, Josh is talking about stepping up. You stepped up while I was down uh, taking a beating yesterday and you lined up some pretty nice questions. So why don't you start this off uh, with with number one and what it sounds like might even be Josh's number one. So uh, we'll, we'll start start right up top. Um, we want to hear your thoughts on, on Travis Etienne. I know you're a huge, huge fan of his and the impact he's going to have in the NFL. Um, what do you think about his landing spot? And how do you think he's going to do in Jacksonville? So the ETN landing spot and reaction to it is honestly just a total head scratcher. You would think people would be jumping up and down in the streets. Shower narrative. A college quarterback and running back that were both elite at what they did. Reuniting in the NFL on the same team both taken in the first round. Is that a storybook kind of uh, transition or is that a storybook transition? So right off the bat, you would think that alone would just get narrative Twitter excited, but no, 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 no. Didn't get people excited. Not quite sure why. It's an ascending offense. It's ascending O-line. That's what you want in Dynasty is you want a team that you think is going to be competent for the next three to five years, which is kind of the lifespan of these running back in terms of their their dynasty value and when you're trying to or hoping that you'll be able to start them. So it's a very favorable three to five year outlook for this franchise. He's going to be playing with Trevor Lawrence every single year that he's in Jacksonville. So the four or five plus years that he's there, he'll be with his college quarterback. And then also, if we just look at ETN, the prospect, why is he not the best PPR fantasy prospect since Saquon? If you were to build a guy in a lab, you would just crank, like if, if we had Madden ratings, you would just crank receptions to 99 for a running back. That's really what you want to score fantasy points. And that's what ETN gives you. 
his college re receptions, target share, it's all off the charts. So I really don't understand how people aren't <clears throat> more excited about him. And I'll give you a, a little quick parallel in terms of why the receptions are important. So if we look at Jonathan Taylor versus DeAndre Swift last year, many might not realize that Jonathan Taylor had less than one fantasy point per game more than Swift. They were, they were almost dead even. It was 15 point, let me see, 15.3 per game for Taylor, 14.5 for Swift. Basically identical. We all know who got a lot more work overall, but Swift had three and a half catches a game. And that's why there's such a stable floor and such a tantalizing ceiling with ETN. So I cannot stress enough how he is the 101 in any type of one quarterback leagues. I just don't, I don't understand. It's a head scratcher that people aren't worshiping the landing spot and the prospect in ETN. I think that's awesome. And then what do you see his year one impact in Jacksonville being? Do you buy into it all? I know the answer to this. But do you buy into it all, you know, him losing work to Robinson and Hyde? I mean, if we define losing work that he's not going to be on the field 100% of the time, then sure. Uh, do I expect him to be 2019 Christian McCaffrey and be on the field for 98% of the snaps? No, I'm realistic. But just imagine if he's on the field 50 to 60% of the time, he's going to be heavily utilized when on the field. He's going to get a lot of that passing down work, which we want. And... Even in a, a bad scenario where he's treated kind of like DeAndre Swift was treated last year. And remember, DeAndre Swift averaged pretty much the same amount of fantasy points per game as Taylor. And Swift basically didn't play the first like weeks of the season. He would have like two carries and three targets or something. Just imagine this is now a first round pick. We assume that they're not going to egregiously misuse him the first month of the season like they did Swift. This guy could have 225 fantasy points with very limited usage still. Like he could get 150 carries, less than 10 a game, and 60 targets. And right there, he can crest 200 fantasy points. Rocket up the, the actual like total fantasy points when they're used. I'm cutting out. My back? Yep, you're back. Yeah, you cut out. You guys hear me again? My, my internet's... Yeah, so just in summary, Swift doesn't even need heavy usage. He can lose some work to Robinson. I'm not even sure if he's going to lose that much work, but theoretically, even if he does, does even a 50% opportunity share or 50% of the total touches, he's going to be getting the right kind of touches that we want where it's work in the passing game. And that right there justifies taking him one-on-one, just knowing that he's going to be good at the very minimum, year one. And then as he gets more integrated, I mean, we could be looking at the next Alvin Kamara type prospect right here where he's getting 175 to 200 rushes a season and around 100 targets. It, it could be incredible. That was literally the name I was going to ask you. If like I, from what you're saying and what I've been, you know, I'm not the biggest college guy, but just from what you're giving me here, AK seems like kind of maybe the ceiling, but a good possibility. Yeah. And that even if he doesn't hit the, the ceiling of Camara, he doesn't need to, to return value as the one-on-one in this draft. I mean, Camara was literally the best running back in fantasy football last year. So if we know that this is the archetype of player, 
the ceiling is the best running back in fantasy. And then the floor is uh, Naheem Hines from last year, who actually gets rushing work as well. Naheem Hines had nearly 200 fantasy points last year. Quietly, he was an RB2. Yeah. And he he barely was running the ball. So just imagine Naheem Hines with some goal line carries as like the, the stone min floor for ETN. So it's it's really just a dream situation into your lap at the 103, 104. And, th- and that ceiling is important. I keep, I keep, you know, Dan and I are in the DMs because we're in a bunch of rookie drafts right now. And and when we're th- deciding on guys, like I'm taking the guy with the higher ceiling. I'm I'm ro- I'm drafting a rookie for ceiling. I'm not drafting to be safe or you know what I mean. Like I want mm-hmm. ceiling. I don't want. I don't care about floor. I want some floor if I can kind of get a bit of security. But we're talking rookies, so the floor is is kind of. To me, it's all about the ceiling. So I, I love that you're saying that about Etienne. I, I showed you, I got him at the 109 in a super flex. <laughs> Josh is shaking his head for those just listening. But I pity your league mates right now. <laughs> and he's going, he's, well, I picked up um, Chase at 105 uh, after the four quarterbacks went. And that was just, I have Burrow. I'm not competing this year. But he came to me at 109. I was really surprised, I'll be honest. But I'm hearing him going at the 108, 109 kind of range right now. Yeah, me too. It's it's what I've been seeing. I think one good example of the kind of guy that just doesn't have, like the archetype that doesn't have the ceiling is the running backs that don't catch passes. Look at Derrick Henry last year. One of the five or so most historic rushing seasons in NFL history, nearly 20 touchdowns, over 2,000 rushing yards. And he was the RB3. He couldn't... Right. He. This wasn't the RB1. This wasn't the RB2. And he had the most historic rushing season that we've that we've had the past decade. So that's really just I think that's a good example of if you're shooting for for the next Derrick Henry, that this guy doesn't even have RB1 in his range of outcomes. Interesting. Yeah, makes makes sense. So what what would you say to the people who have uh Najee Harris as their their top running back in this class. What, uh, what, what are they missing? So if, if you're really just, if you're trying to compete for this season and you're in ultimate contender mode, I don't think it's a big drop off from ETN to Harris. I, in my, in my uh, redraft and best ball rankings, I do have Najee Harris over ETN because it really just seems like there's no way for Najee Harris to not get all the touches in year one. But what I would say is look at the situation there. This is a a bottom five offensive line. An aging quarterback that had Tommy John came back from it and did not look good. And there were rumors of him getting benched for Mason Rudolph at points last year because of how incompetent he looked. So if you have kind of this potential quarterback purgatory going forward, I mean, Dwayne Haskins could be Najee Harris's quarterback in 2022. And with how good their defense is, you're not necessarily looking at the Steelers winning four games. So they're not really in the conversation for a top pick the next couple of seasons. So who do they replace Roethlisberger with? It, it really could be Haskins. That's a good point. So that's what worries mm-hmm. me is the bad O-line. And then uh, I know everyone kind of thinks as Roethlisberger is this incredible quarterback still, but he's just not at this point. So it's kind of the quarterback O-line, really good defense to keep them from getting a high pick in future drafts. So those that kind of that trio of a 
confluence of factors is why I would give the edge to ETN and why I would urge people to do the same. But again, I, I still have them close in my, in my just general, what I project for their overall lifetime value. And if you're just dead set on winning this year, sure. Take Harris. He's going to get 250 carries this year. I understand it. Yeah, it's okay. a volume, volume game at that point. I know you and Ray JQ should do like a head-to-head <laughs> <laughs> for who should be the one one should We be. should. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I kind of see Najee Harris's 2021 season being like a combo of David Montgomery's 2019 efficiency with 2020 workload, where Najee's going to be a lot more involved in the passing game than a Montgomery, which is kind of like what Monty ended up in in 2020 when Cohen went down. But with that 2019 efficiency where it's a really, it's just not a good offense. It's a bad O-line. So I think you can kind of put those together and you're kind of backing your way into like a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 for 2021. Yeah, just sort of the the brute force, uh, you know, touches, 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 touches. Yeah, exactly. I, Dan, I was just going to say, if Matt doesn't want to host the the head to head, we'll host it here on the district for sure. There we go. Dan's got a referee. <laughs> Dan's got a referee jersey. He's dying to throw on. I would like that. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know Ray has ET and RB three, so I, it it would be a fun one because of our big value disparity that we see there. So, and there also me being the analytics guy, him being the film guy. There's just a lot going on there that I think is interesting mm-hmm. for people because we could not be on more opposite ends with are the way that we the way we see the game and then how we rank those top three so i think it'd be fun yeah yeah definitely for sure so we're we we've talked about two of the top three we might as well talk about the third one uh <laughs> you know give us give us the javante williams take and uh where do you where do you slot him because you know yeah you know, most people don't have him up with uh the other two running backs but they've got him kind of mixed into that uh you know that tier of wide receivers you know with waddle and uh Javante Smith and, and guys like that. Uh, how, are, how are you seeing Javante Williams? Do you think that's right or wrong to, to drop him down a tier? So I would I would drop him down a tier from Etienne and Harris. I would still rank him over all the wide receivers not named Jamar Chase. There's just no one that has kind of that flawless profile mm-hmm. after Chase or or that's or necessarily like the the obvious ceiling. And I don't think Javante Williams is the greatest prospect in the world, but early second round draft capital, we know what that means. He's going to get work. It's a good offensive line. He's only 21. He's he's the youngest of the big three by quite a bit. He's about, I think he's a year younger than ETN, two years younger than Harris. So I think he he's a good dynasty prospect. He's not someone that I'm getting super excited about, but he looks like a very usable RB2, potentially locking into an RB1 season with touchdowns. So... I mean, I'm I'm fine with him. He's not someone I'm excited to grab, but I do think mm-hmm. that after him there is a tear break. It's just that if if Javante Williams were in last year's class, then he's clearly outside the like the big five from last year, in my opinion. If that makes any sense. Whereas Etienne and Harris are in that conversation with those five, however you want to order them. Yeah. I did like I, I did like how uh, Denver traded traded up to get ahead of Miami to grab Javante. I thought that that was, um, you know, I thought that was a positive for him. I think they're going to have a real role for him. And, uh, you know, he, like you said, I think it's a, it's a drop off from, from ETN to him, but I, I think he's become a little more intriguing with that landing spot. Yeah. You could also, if you want to play the narrative game, you could say Lindsay looked great 
and they bring in Melvin Gordon and replace him. And Melvin Gordon immediately got all the touches. So then you could say, well, at this point, they got their guy again, just like they got Melvin Gordon the year before. Why aren't they just going to give Javante Williams the preferential treatment right out of the gate? So I can understand that argument. I can see the case for why he can actually have a pretty good year one. But uh, I'm more excited about him long-term once Gordon's out of there. Do you think Gordon will be on the roster for week one? Yeah, I, I think so. Do I, I don't really see why he wouldn't be. It's, I don't know. It's just, to me, the year one Denver backfield is kind of a stay away just because I don't think it's the highest upside situation in the world, even if one guy gets the touches. We saw that last year with Melvin Gordon, where it's just kind of, Melvin Gordon's not going to lose you many weeks, but he's also not really winning you a lot of weeks. So it's just hard for me to see that year one upside unless uh, they have a quarterback upgrade, which it seems like it was all smoke with the Rodgers talk. So at this point, yeah. it's, it's probably uh, it's probably Teddy B or uh, Mr. Locke, which is none of us are excited about that. Javante <laughs> Williams or Tony Pollard? Javante uh, Williams. Pollard still just, I mean, that Z contract is massive. It's hard for them to get out of it. And, I mean, Zeke was really good with Dak in the O-line, which doesn't necessarily mean that he's a good running back, but I think the Cowboys kind of view him that way, where uh, Zeke's very good at holding up with a lot of touches. So it seems like that's what they want, is just to feed him. So I think this year and next year, uh, Zeke's going to be the guy for at least the next two years. And while, yeah, Pollard has that incredible upside of, if Zeke truly flames out and can't stop fumbling or gets injured, I I would rather bet on Javante. I think there's a much, much higher chance Javante's an RB2 than uh, Pollard becomes the guy in Dallas. Okay. What are, uh, we talked about the three running back. Give, give us maybe two or three of your favorite rookies in this class right now. So I really like Rondale Moore. I think he's just such a fun prospect. And we haven't really seen a guy like him before. He's just so unique. And I generally stay away from outliers, which is why I haven't been clamoring to grab Devonta Smith, even though some of his production metrics are incredible. And what's different about Rondell Moore compared to pretty much every other guy out there is that he has this unique combination of being undersized at 5'7", but incredibly stocky. He's over 180. He put up like 16 or 17 reps on the bench press. 20, 20 reps, 25 reps. I don't remember. It was something ridiculous at 180 pounds. He squats 600 pounds when he was 18 years old entering college. He had 1,500 scrimmage yards as an 18-year-old true freshman at Purdue. So there's just so many aspects of his profile that are outlierish. But the early production at age 18 is what I really like. That shows that, you know what? Sure, he might have been undersized, but facing physically more mature players who are more experienced and bigger than him. He crushed it as a rookie or as a, as a freshman. So why isn't he going to crush it as a rookie uh, year two player and beyond? So I think he could have a much quicker transition than some people are giving him credit for as a gadget guy, because we've already seen him do it when going from high school to college. So I'd say like, he's really my guy in that sense. And then the other one is Anthony Schwartz. I just I really like these dynamics. It's just like Rondell Moore. I love the guys that are getting used creatively. 
Schwartz is super young. He doesn't turn 21 until the season starts. He's a big caliber hunter. He had 350 receiving yards, over 200 rush yards as a true freshman at age 18 with five rushing touchdowns. That's exactly the kind of interesting usage where they're scheming him touches that you want. And he's really got that home run hitting ability running in the four, the, the high four twos. So I, I really like him getting him like late round two to early round three, just kind of depending. We'll see where everything shakes out ultimately, but I think he has a lot of upside, especially on an aging uh, Browns depth chart where Odell and Landry, these are not young players. So, I mean, something yeah, could you- happen to either one of them. It happened to Odell last year. So I'm really mm-hmm. bullish on Schwartz. He made it to 310 just in a super flex uh, rookie draft. I've, I just kind of finished here. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, why not push the button? Yeah. yeah and he, even if you're not a Schwartz person, he's probably going to have one or two big games as a rookie. You can always sell him off then. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of ways to handle him where I think he just has more upside and more spike week potential to get people excited and get him on your radar than a lot of the other guys that are going to be going in that range where chances are they're they're not going to have any exciting games or any period where people in your league are truly excited and googling him and searching for him to see wh- which which team is short like people are actually going to say like which team is Schwartz on at some point this year or next year so that's what i that's what i like about him I like it. So two two nice receivers there. Now, guys, any any rookies that uh, actually let, let me ask Josh and we'll throw it around. Is there anyone that lost value for you? Is like, is there someone that you kind of like coming into to the rookie draft and just because a landing spot, either you're off completely or, or if that's not a thing, you're just maybe uh, more inclined to to go a, a different direction if the opportunity comes up. Do you want, me, you want me to take this one first? Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm batting lead off for this we'll one. Dan, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. let Dan and Theo chime in after that. So I did a little research before this just to have some concrete numbers behind it. Rashad Bateman's landing spot, it did scare me. I was very high on him pre-draft. Yeah, his pro day was disappointing that he's actually built like Calvin Ridley and that he's not 6'2", 210, but he was six foot 190. That's pretty a pretty big difference i mean if i lost two inches and 20 pounds i'd be 5'7, 140 that's i mean my ceiling is really low then if i'm 5'7, 140 i don't think there's any precedent for that but if i so i pulled up uh the ravens pass attempts last year are they probably going to go up sure but if we just if we just take that number for what it is 406 pass attempts as a team a 20 percent target share in that offense is 81 targets. And 20% is a big target share. And 81 targets is not getting me out of bed in the morning. And to put that in perspective, the Steelers had 656 pass attempts last year. So if you have a 20% target share in that offense, it's not 81 targets. It's 131 targets. So right there, I mean, 131 targets. You could be a wide receiver one. AJ Brown can be a high-end wide receiver one with that volume. 81 targets. Nobody other than maybe a tight end is going to finish top 10 at their position with 81 targets. So yeah, that's kind of cherry picking, but with the the 400-ish pass attempts, if you want Bateman to actually have 130 targets and be an elite wide receiver one, he would need a 33% target share, which is like peak Michael Thomas or peak Devontae Adams. 
And I don't think any of us think that's a likely range of outcome for him. So because of that, he really is worrisome to me where suddenly he looks a lot more like a floor play as the clear wide receiver one rather than any type of ceiling play where, yeah, he's probably going to be the number one option, but what is he walking into? 60 to 90 targets? It's not that exciting. Yeah, and probably you're going to be able to get him cheaper, you know, at the end of this year or beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. The usual rookie receiver path in 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 a lot of cases anyways. Theo, anyone that lost value for you in in this draft? Well, I had two guys who have been kind of favorites of mine, um Kenneth Gainwell, um, you know, dropping into the 5th round wow. was very disappointing for me. Um I had had hopes he would land with somebody, you know, on day 2. Um, and now instead of going into even a situation like, you know, the Jets or the Falcons, um, he lands in Philly where he's clearly behind Miles Sanders. And I think that not only does he lose value, but it potentially takes away some value from Miles Sanders. Um, I think Gainwell makes, you know, Boston Scott irrelevant um, and they'll use him as the, the, the handcuff, so to speak, and he'll get some passing down work. But he certainly loses a little shine. He goes from a guy that would have been, you know, a, a second round pick in rookie drafts to a guy that you can get now in the third. He's worth taking some shots on, but it was disappointing for me. And uh, Tylen Wallace, who, um, you know, if we're disappointed about Rashad Bateman ending up in Baltimore as the wide receiver one, then we are, you know, mortified by the idea of Tylen Wallace ending up in Baltimore as the, Woof. you know, hope the wide receiver <laughs> three. I mean, he's done. So I think uh, it's, a, it's a good lesson that, um, you know, draft capital matters and went on the fringe guys that we all kind of like and we project, um, you know, they certainly uh, lose a lot of shine after they, they go later in the draft. So those were big disappointments for me. Um, I had Tylen Wallace actually in the 14th round of one of these triflex uh, Rotoviz FFPC startups, um, but I was actually able to add the Schwartz and um, Josh Palmer after the draft happened. So I kind of made up for that a little bit with some, uh, you know, rookies were a little bit excited about the landing spot. So those were my two guys. Danny boy, yeah. you got anybody uh, that lost a bit of value? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, like a tight end, Brevin Jordan was somebody I held out a lot of hope for. You know, I thought he might uh, he might go a little bit higher than he did. I was hoping he would, you know, maybe sneak into the third round or, you know, early fourth or something like that. And, uh, you know, the, the best thing that happened is he went to Houston where there's some wide open opportunity. Uh, you know, so I, I don't hate that. And, uh, for that same reason, you know, like Nico Collins, I was hoping, um, uh, you know, might go a little bit higher, but, um, he, he also ended up in Houston. So, you know, there's some, I obviously, you know, Houston's going to be a tire fire this year. Um, uh, you know, but wide open opportunity like that, that's, you know, that's a place where you can at least, Hope that, uh, you know, they're going to put these guys out there and see what they can do uh, this year rather than them being, you know, stuck behind established veterans or whatever. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's there's some some good with the bad on them, uh, you know, and I was I was actually uh, one of the ones I was kind of interested to see where they landed um, was uh, Josh Palmer and uh, him him landing in in. Uh, the chargers uh, was actually a pretty good thing and, and with some decent draft capital. So he kind of went the other way for me. Uh, I was expecting that he would, he would probably be one of those guys I'd be disappointed in when the draft was over. And uh, it actually turned out he ended up in a, in a nice spot with some decent draft capital. So. 
So since Dan stole my thunder as usual, just always taking the right. Hey, I left you the chub, the the maple chub. So no, you know, well I'm, I'm going the other way. Like I'm, honestly, the, I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the. You know, I'm I'm in Toronto, man. I gotta flex the Canucks, right? I mean, Josh Palmer loved the loved the landing spot out there in in Charger Land. Nothing to add there. I mean, young quarterback, good opportunity. Not much in front of him. Um, I picked him up earlier. You guys gave me the the thumbs up. Josh gave me the thumbs up on that, so that felt good. But with Chuba, I mean, the Maple Chub I, or Chuba. Somebody, you guys told me it was Chuba, right? I was calling Chuba, it Chuba. I, I was thinking, I'll say anything wrong, man. That's just it's the French in me. Um, but I, I don't hate the landing spot. I, I, I mean, anywhere you have like a guy, a running back who's taken on that much volume at a position that you know injuries are huge. We saw it last year with. Um, with uh, Mike Davis coming Davis, in, yeah. and, you know, I mean, look at what Mike Davis did, you know, in, in that offense. So I kind of like that he comes in as a, as a young rookie, doesn't need to be the guy first year. I mean, I don't think that anyone thought he would go somewhere and be the guy, but you thought maybe he was going to be part of a more of a community uh, or, um, uh, you know, uh, RB by, by committee. Uh, but I, I, I like the fit. I like the spot to me, this Carolina offense. I mean, uh, Randy's in our DMS blown up, uh, Darnold on a, on a daily basis. Um, but I, I mean, you look at all the pieces in Carolina and that offense to me, whether Darnold's the guy or not, you would think is trending upwards and being a part of that, uh, with a young, he, he's a nice depth piece is, is, is kind of my input on it. Uh, same with Palmer. These are guys you add, you know, late in, later in the drafts, and they're nice depth pieces on on your dynasty rosters. Maybe not this year, but next two or three years, maybe they pop for you. And I thought we could follow that up with um, we talked about Rondell Moore and Andrew Schwartz, as two guys you love, Josh. Is there any guys that are elevated by their landing spots? Seems like those two guys you like the profile. Is there any guys that you know you that maybe we didn't touch on? that you love the landing spot. Yeah, I'll add uh, Dwayne Eskridge to that list. He's a prospect that I actually, I might've been a little above consensus on when I kind of, when all was said and done, when I had my initial wide receiver rankings out, I was like, oh, apparently I, I might like Dwayne Eskridge more than most, but he still wasn't really someone that was that exciting. I mean, he's, he's really old. He's 24. So that's not necessarily like the, the rookie profile that you, that you're, that you're just out there trying to scoop up as the the late breakout 24 year old, but he is in a very good situation. He's really fast. Seems like the clear wide receiver three in a Russell Wilson offense. And we've seen how Russell Wilson handles uh, another undersized, but fast uh, receiver and Lockett. in no way is Eskridge Lockett, but I just think that there, there could be something there where it's, it's, it's really just Metcalf and Lockett. And if you have an injury to either of those guys, Eskridge is playing every snap. Even if there's no injuries, he's going to be playing a decent amount of snaps. We saw David Moore be kind of useful for fantasy last year. So he's someone that I think at least is interesting where he got taken way earlier than a lot of people, myself included, expected, kind of like middle round two. So I think there's there's probably something there with Eskridge. So I think he's kind of like the the one guy I'd add where he seemed like he he could be a, a big riser and at least be one of the more productive rookies this season. Yep, makes sense. And was there anybody that J, JD or Dan um, that you were you know really excited about the landing spot and maybe that made you um, you know 
look at them in a, in a more favorable light? Uh, I think just Michael Carter. He's kind of a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't necessarily think he's a – we have yeah. He's I don't know how we, we haven't mentioned him yet, but yeah. he's a weird one just because pre-draft, none of the four of us would have said, oh, yeah, that's a feature back. And now post-draft, you can you can sort of squint and see him being the feature back potentially with the Jets. I still don't think it's going to happen. We, we didn't really see it in college, but I think he and Ty Johnson or – or Tevin Coleman, some type of combination there could be interesting. I don't think Zach Wilson's necessarily going to be a great NFL quarterback, but he's young. We don't really know. This could be a decent offense. There's some good pass catchers there. The offensive line is starting to get built up. So, I mean, we could, we could see Michael Carter, uh, what, like a 160, 170 carries, like 10 carries a game and three catches a game. I don't know. That's, that's kind of interesting for fantasy. So I think he's one where, uh, whatever you think about him, this is such a wide open depth chart. And uh, there's Michael Carter, fourth round. They grabbed him. Yeah, like yeah. like this, this part of the draft, you're looking at opportunity, right? You're trying to see who's 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 got the clearest path, if that's even for these rookies that are in the beginning. You're like talent trumps all. You know, you're gonna take them. You know, if that path is a little uh, shadier, but when you get to this these this range and, and you know we were talking in the dms i feel like carter's becoming he might become a reach in a lot of spots where people are looking for running back they're you know it's a rookie draft and they're they're looking for a guy that's going to get volume so is carter going to give them what they're expecting and that's always kind of you know decides did you get your value when you when you took him in the rookie draft so only time will tell right yeah i mean the nice thing is he was able to hold himself his own against uh javante williams in the North Carolina offense, you know, so that says something at least, uh, you know, that they, they continued to use him, you know, as, a, as a runner as well. Eight yards and, per carry too, wasn't a joke, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the ones that I was, I, I thought was an interesting landing spot, you know, like I thought the market was getting real frothy on um, Trey Sermon before the draft. Uh, you know, of course, Waldman came out and, says here's my my RB1 you know for the whole class and you know you can you can do with that whatever whatever you will um you know but Waldman's got a big following and you know that was definitely pushing sermon up uh in uh best balls and uh and also uh you know maiden drafts for dynasties uh just before the NFL draft you know so he was he was somebody that I was thinking oh yeah this is this is going to be a guy if he ends up, you know, like, uh, you know, fourth or fifth round draft capital and kind of a crappy landing spot. He's, you know, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people. And then he ends up in San Francisco of all places. So it, with that, do you guys think that uh, is, is the juice worth the squeeze on Sermon or is he still going uncomfortably high? For me, he's, he's probably going to end up going too high. I, I mean, we, we had this conversation um, for a couple weeks now where he was a guy, you know, weeks and weeks back, a guy I, I really wanted to target with like the 205. And now, um, you know, he's going off the board in some of these rookie drafts, like 106, 107. People are, are head over heels about this landing spot. And it's still uh, it's still a difficult backfield to, to crack. They have so many guys there. you got to figure Mostert and Wilson – they bring in Wayne Gallman, um, and it's. It, I mean, he's certainly got an opportunity um, once, and I think if he is able to to win the job, I think he's going to have a, a couple of running back two weeks at least. Um, 
but there's just so much, so many question marks there. Um, it's probably not for me if the if the capital is that if if the draft capital is that high in rookie drafts. Yeah, the the way I look at it is if I'm in a rookie draft and the best player available is Trey Sermon at like the 111 <laughs> or something or 110 and one quarterback, just trade that pick. You can just straight up trade your 2021 first for a 2022 second or a 2022 first and say, you know what? This could be a high first. This could be a low first. It doesn't matter. Do you really want the golden egg of your rookie draft to be Trey Sermon? I don't really want that. Like, is that, is that the the big replenishment that you're going to inject your team with that's going to take you over the top? It's just really hard for me to see this year, next year, being like, oh, man, like, so glad that I grabbed Trey Sermon in the first round <laughs> of my draft or in Superflex that I grabbed him early round two. I, I just – really hard for me to see that. I'm on team Jeff Wilson is good at football. Yes. Uh, he won yes. me a lot of he won me a lot of money last year with some late season heroics, and I expect him to do the same this year. He's just a, he's just a really good player, and yeah. it seems like the San Francisco uh, 49er running back uh, career arc is that after after Kyle Shanahan's seen you for like four years, he goes, you know what, you're familiar enough, you can get more touches, and I don't really understand why Sermon was necessarily why we're worshiping this landing spot because one thing that every other running back on that roster has in common for the most part is they're really fast. And that's yeah. kind of like, uh, I think it was in the sixth round, they took Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. He was just an athletic freak with a uh, like high four, three wheels. I want to say that's it's more like of the archetype. Yeah. That's more of the archetype of what they've been going for, where these guys have breakaway speed. And it's just, I just can't get excited about Trey Sermon. I mean, Yes, the third round draft capital is nice that he snuck into day two, but for me at least, I'm I'm trading out of that pick if at all possible. And yeah. you, sorry, Dan, just to, to chime, like you you can't expect more than again. It's I feel like we're expecting something that he's never done before. You know, if you're expecting him to to be more than a, a committee guy, because you look at his you know college dominator, he's ninth percentile, eleven percent. Uh, he's never had over a hundred and sixty four rush attempts, you know, and that's a lot higher than his other seasons that are around the 115, 120-ish. So not a lot of volume overall. So to expect him to come into this offense and be the guy and run that offense uh, on the ground, I think is a little unreasonable. Dan, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, are you guys excited about Ramondre Stevenson? Because uh, that's who relegated him <laughs> right. in college. Uh, so unless you're unless you're you're a big Ramondre Stevenson person, the the case for Trey Sermon, there's just a lot of ways to slice and dice and get less excited about Sermon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, to me, Sermon's one of those guys where unless he really pops quickly as a rookie, again, you're probably going to be able to get him cheaper. You know, mid season, late season, next off season. You know, there there are going to be better times to grab him. And rather than, uh, you know, spending that, that high capital pick, you know, at that, at that point, uh, there are still wide receivers. That I would much rather, you know, take some swings at and then come back to sermon. I mean, you know, shoot, even Ramondre Stevenson, you know, he's, nobody's excited about him and he's going into, uh, you know, a Belichick backfield, which, you know, we, we all know that you, you've got to be careful with uh, drafting anybody that, that goes to new England. 
um, and plays the running back position because you never know what's going to happen. But the thing is, you also never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, so I, I like Stevenson at his draft capital a lot, you know, because you're going to be able to get him like as a, a third rounder, maybe even a fourth rounder in some leagues. Um, and, you know, Sermon, you're having to pay that first round price tag on. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather if I'm going to be gambling on somebody like that, I'll, I'll go with Stevenson myself. All right, we got one more question for uh, for the Dynasty War Room here that we kind of created, just just to help our listeners, our you know the, the listeners, the watchers, just get ready for the rookie drafts, right? I mean, you, these these are important picks, guys. You know, the, you you've made moves to get into these picks, or you know, you've you've got these picks and you've studied. This is huge for your dynasty team, so we want to make sure you guys are ready and. Dan, let's do a, a quick plug for our partners. I mean, this show is brought to you at the end of the day by the FFPC. They're our, our big supporters, and they got a lot going on right now. So anyone on the FFPC already, Dan, remind me, are all the rookie drafts, do they all start on the, at the same time? Yeah, not exactly the same time. They all start on uh, Saturday. Same day? Okay. Same day. Yeah, so they'll all start on Saturday, but they just stagger the start times just to you know ease the load on the servers a little bit. You know, so, um, you know, if you're if you can and also if you can get all your league mates together and say, hey, we want to go early, they will let you go early. So uh, we have we have <laughs> one league that we're uh, we're working on that. Um, yeah. Shout, shout out to Nina Nation. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> Um, we have, we have, we have 11 people who've chimed in and one person that we're still waiting to, uh, to chime in, but yeah, it's, it's fun to get those drafts going early too. Um, just because you can get out ahead of the ADP, uh, you know, unless you're one of those people who really needs that ADP to follow, uh, it's, it's a lot more fun to be out in front of it and, uh, grabbing your guys before things set up and it becomes obvious where you might need to take them. So definitely love that part of the FFPC. Plus, you get to set the tone, man. You get to yes. be ADP. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. ADP setters, yep. Exactly. So, guys, if you're, like I said, if you're in Dynasty on the FFPC, make sure you've got that in your calendar. You're ready to go. You're ready to rock. You've got all your picks. If you're not, make sure you go sign up. DM me on Twitter land. I'll, I'll hook you up with a sweet link to get a nice bonus from our friends at the FFPC. Nice $35 action. They've got tournaments right now for 500 grand. They've got best balls in all, like from $5 all the way up to, I believe, like $12.50, something like that. Something nice with four digits. Dan's shaking his head, so I'm right. See, I don't play in the nosebleeds yet. Not, not there yet. Uh, not for best ball anyways. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, the Dynasty Leagues are, are filling up quick. Look, everything here, guys, every format they have, they have live, they have slow, they have every kind of format you could think of. Slim, long, thick, large, they've got it. So go check out myffpc.com. For the best site to play fantasy football, uh, tight end premium. Otherwise, it's pretty much all over the place, giving you a nice variety. Guys, the last question, and Theo, you can add anything to this. Dan, you can add anything to this. But the the last, we're using a show sheet, guys. We you know we haven't used one in a while, so let, let's stick to to the question here. And there's one with veterans. Like, who do you think, Josh, looking at the outcome from this draft? Who are veterans? Like, whether they're you know guys coming into their second year that you're looking to take a major step in 2021, whether it based from the rookie draft or even, you know, kind of separately. You're on mute. You're on mute. 
Oh, oh my goodness. The Cardinal sin. So <laughs> I think the, the two running backs that I'm most excited about where I feel like they kind of flashed in, in uh, fleeting doses last year were DeAndre Swift and Antonio Gibson. These are two guys that I do expect to get a lot more touches with Swift. I expect him to get way more rushing work. And then if he sees any kind of bump in the receiving game, like, Oh boy, he already had three and a half catches a game on average. And remember he only played he like he played so sparingly for the first four or five games of the season that really this was propped up by his massive final, like six or seven games of the year where he was getting four to five catches every single game. So I would love to see him getting 12 to 15 carries four catches a game. He could really just explode. And then the other one, Gibson, what were the concerns with Gibson? This is a guy with 33 career college carries. And you know what? He's a pretty damn good between the tackles runner. And I know everyone was like, oh man, but I thought he was a college receiver. We didn't see that. JD McKissick got all this work. You know what? Who would, who do you think uh, the Washington football team would rather have the ball in the hands of McKissick? who looks like a normal person and is what five, nine, one seventy five, or Antonio Gibson, who is significantly faster than McKissick and also six foot two twenty five. It's Antonio Gibson. We know he can catch the ball. I'm not sure why some people are afraid he's never going to be catching the ball. We're not, this is, this is not a part of his profile. That's up for debate. The guy had over 700 receiving yards in a college season. He's going to be just fine there. So I'm really excited to see him take, uh, potentially a, a small to medium step forward in the, the number of carries. And then I think he's going to take a pretty significant step forward with his pass game work. So on the running back end, those are my two. And then, I mean, LaVisca Chenault is just, this is a tantalizing prospect. He's, I think of him as uh, more athletic AJ Brown. And I know some people might say like, oh, what are you talking about? The guy ran a four, five, eight when he needed uh, groin muscle surgery or core, no core muscle surgery. The yeah. day after he ran a four five eight, he got core muscle surgery and he got flown out to, I think it was Philadelphia for some special clinic. This guy's an athletic freak built like AJ Brown. He's most likely faster than him. And he led the NFL in, uh, I saw like PFF posted something on Twitter a couple weeks back. He led the NFL in most missed tackles forced by a receiver which was just crazy to see that I'm assuming that he's the top that he's at the top in our, our metrics at player profiler. But I just remember seeing that Twitter post and saying, Oh wow. Because yeah, he looked incredibly elusive when ever watching him as a rookie, but this guy is just such a threat with the ball in his hands. And as I mentioned with ETN, I'm excited about this offense overall. So you could really see a pretty meteoric rise for Chenault in year two. The guy had 700 total yards as a rookie while missing time. This is not a gadget player at this point. We've already established he's not Cordero Patterson. I'm I'm excited for Schnault. So those are a few guys where I'm really bullish on. I'm trying to acquire them before they... I know there's hype trains on all of them, but still, I assure you that when these guys pop, the price goes way up. This is probably the cheapest you're going to get these guys for the next couple seasons. So, so act now. Yep. Without a doubt, you know, I, I definitely throw uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire in there as well. Uh, you know, he's a, 
he's a guy that, you know, he had a lot of bad touchdown luck last year. I mean, let's be honest. He, he got hauled down at the, you know, the one yard line, two yard line several times. He had a few touchdowns called back on penalties, uh, you know, some of which were away from the ball. You know, so it was it was just kind of a year where he probably could have had, you know, half a dozen more touchdowns and uh, pushed himself right up over 200 fantasy points. And, you know, people wouldn't be saying, oh, he's a bust. Um, you know, another year in the offense, uh, you know, having that being that second year back, you know, just that second year in the league does a lot for a lot of running backs because uh, they know how to prepare. They know what they're facing and, uh, you know, they're just more ready for the season. And, uh, you know, plus, you know, being in the you know, the, the, the COVID uh, uh, preseason last year, which just really, I think, hampered, uh, you know, teams kind of getting everything together, uh, probably hurt him as well. So he's, he's somebody I'm definitely looking to take a, a big step forward, and I think he probably can. Uh, another one I'd throw out there is uh, Michael Pittman. Uh, he was showing some signs of putting things together at the end of, the, of last year. Yeah, uh, he's got to integrate with a new quarterback now. So, you know, there's, you know, I, I don't think he's a, you know, an absolute slam dunk or anything like that. But, uh, you know, uh, he's he's in a nice spot in that team. And, uh, you know, he showed uh, some good progression last year towards the end of the year. And, you know, he was hurt for a while last year as well. So I, I think, you know, there's a decent chance he could be putting things together. He's a guy I'd be looking to acquire on the cheap as well. Theo, did I'll you throw one, yeah, go I'll ahead. Throw buddy. One, I'll throw one guy out there. Um, I know it's a guy that's been kind of beat up this Don't season. take my guy. Do not take my guy. I hope it's not your guy. But but Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Judy had 113 targets yes. last year, and nice. people want to call him a bust. And I think there's some sort of everybody kind of presumes that Cortland Sutton's going to come back in and and take over the number one role. And I think that might be the that may be the the, the best guess. I think it's more 60-40 than, than some slam dunk. Um, I think Judy, the fact that he was that targeted, he had multiple double-digit target games. I think there's a chance that he takes a, a big leap and he's a lot more efficient in year two. And, you know, we're obviously not not loving the quarterback situation over there, but he was far from a bust. I think that the, the, a lot of the problem was, you know, Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb and, and Chase Claypool looked, you know, T. Higgins looked so good out of that class that it kind of the perception of Jerry Judy got pushed down, but to get 113 targets as a rookie. Um, you know, people need to be a little bit more excited about him, especially where he's going ADP wise. Um, I know we did an early best ball and I got him uh, incredibly late. It's kind of uh, evened out a little bit now, but still he's going a little bit closer to the 10th round than he would the fifth round. So to me, he's a, he's a value uh, among sophomore players in the NFL. Yeah, I tweeted out a couple weeks ago. I can't stop stacking Sutton and Judy just because in best balls because they're at such a nice value. Plus, Rogers is going there, guys. Let's just face it. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is going to be there. Bridgewater and uh, what's his face and be holding his water bottle while he's uh, chucking it to the boys. So and, and and a bit of Fanton there as well. Uh, I'm going to throw a Rob in there. Just finally getting a quarterback. I love me some a Rob every year. The only problem now is after his new quarterback starts to shine, his price is going to pop up. So if you want to go get some A-Rob, I don't know if it's already gotten there now with the, with the hype, but, and uh, Michael Thomas, to me, that dude's going to be a target machine out there in, in New Orleans. Uh, just that, you know, nothing brought in really to compete with him. It's basically him and AK uh, with uh, Winston launching the ball around. So I, I think, you know, some nice, uh, 
volume as we talked about for MT and maybe bringing him back in the upper echelons uh, of the receivers as we uh, in, in 2021. Yeah, one thing I, I'll I, add I, actually to Michael Thomas that I discovered a few weeks ago, I podcasted a little bit about it, Codebreaker, number one in air yard share in the NFL last year was hobbled per game was hobbled Michael Thomas. Wow. Believe it or not. This wow. is, this is not slant boy anymore. This is this is alpha this is an alpha wide receiver who's getting the type of looks that you want to see on a team. So I'm I'm very excited about Michael Thomas. If anything his situation might have improved the past couple of years where no longer is it noodle arm Drew Brees where yeah he's accurate but I mean we we saw it what happened to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with James Winston. Mm -hmm. And it's unlikely Sean Payton lets uh, DGAF James Winston out to play, but there's still that possibility. And I mean, Michael Thomas could be the wide receiver one this year and it wouldn't shock me. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot harder to make that case for some of the other receivers going where he's going. So that's what I like about Michael Thomas. Saints defense is not going to be as good this year either, and that's going to put some more pressure on the offense to, you know, we might see a little bit of DGAF Winston out there if uh, if the Saints are behind uh, going into the fourth quarter. I mean, they might not have much choice. So, you know, for I I love the the Michael Thomas pick there, and, uh, you know, you can just throw Traquan Smith right on in there with him. Uh, you know, he's a guy I think that just was a, such a poor fit with Drew Drew Brees, you know, and he's super cheap, you know, so he's a guy I'm just trying to, to, you know, scoop up for super cheap, you know, get as a throw in for deals or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't, it, it, if he doesn't fire, it's not going to hurt me at all. But, uh, you know, if, if he does fire to any extent whatsoever, uh, he's somebody I can turn around and sell again for a pretty quick, nice profit. There was all one right, guy guys. I wanted to ask uh, Justin. Because I know that Josh, you're, you're a fan of his, and I know Dan is as well. But Miles Gaskin, your outlook for Gaskin this year? I know you're bullish on him. Yeah, I'm excited about Gaskin. He looked really good, and he had bell cow treatment for pretty much every game last year. Mm-hmm. I remember there was the whole Gaskin versus Ahmed debate towards the end of the year, where it was like, oh, who's going to get the work when Gaskin comes back? So then he just put up 170 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns in that game. Yeah. I mean, yep. Baskin's the real deal. He's get he got he got the kind of work that you want to see where he's used a lot in the run game, but they're not just running him up the middle because this is a smaller back. And then he had a pretty decent pass game involvement. So yeah. this is a guy I've I've said it a few times the past week. Get him in best ball drafts right now. This is a, you're you can get him late round five, early round six. Still, this is like a late third, early fourth caliber running back talent in my mind in terms of what you're going to be looking at, which is every single year of his career when given the opportunity, he's crushed it. All four years in college, he was an absolute stud. They said, hey, we're going to see what we have in Miles Gaskin in 2020. Was It It was not Jordan Howard. It was not Matt Breida. It, Gaskin's the real deal, so... I'm really excited about him, and I don't quite understand why his price didn't immediately skyrocket post-NFL draft. There's kind of this weird lag where I, I don't even know what it is. Like, who do people think the running back there is? I don't know. I mean, I think I think everybody's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, that, that they were so certain that Miami was going to add in the draft, 
And, you know, I don't know if they, they're thinking that uh, they're going to trade for a running back or, you know, who knows what, or maybe, uh, you know, Love Bell is going to come in and, uh, you know, fall forward for two and a half yards. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Gaskin's a great uh, – he's a great Bri right now in Dynasty as well. I mean, I actually threw him out there on the, the block a couple of days ago in uh, a league that I met with some pretty sharp guys, and I've gotten zero nibbles on him, which really shocked me. Um, you know, so he's, he, even some leagues with some pretty sharp guys, you know, uh, the nobody's on Gaskin right now. Yeah, I didn't I didn't jump on quick enough to Gaskin. I, I've got nothing right now in Dynasty, so I might go out fish, see if I can get him for cheap. We, we've mm-hmm. got some. Some questions uh, for Josh here from a listener uh, who sent this one. Johnny Guerrero at JMA Guerrero C. Josh Jacobs or the 103 in FFPC 1QB? Oh, the 103. Anyone? So let's just say that you want to replace Josh Jacobs. There's three running backs in this class that I already like more than him. And then there's also Jamar Chase. I mean, I would, I would rather have Javante Williams right now, straight up over Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has Kenyon Drake there, who, for all intents and purposes, seems like he's there to take the passing game work, which is what you want for fantasy football. And then, uh, like Javante Williams should be just the guy among guys once Melvin Gordon's gone next year. And I mean, Drake signed a, a pretty expensive two-year deal. So you're not really, I don't think unless Kenyon Drake gets injured, you're not seeing any kind of exciting fantasy output from Josh Jacobs where he's in a mediocre offense. And what is he going to be? The grinder getting 220 carries with his token one to two targets a game. Really hard for me to, to justify Jacobs over the 103. Yep, I would agree with that. Ballroom to basement at ball to base. This is uh, maybe like more of a rookie draft type of scenario. We talked about a lot of these guys at the 206 and Dynasty Superflex PPR. He's, I guess he was at the clock asking between Carter, Tony, Rogers, and St. Brown. Josh, which one would you uh, choose out of these four rookies? I would take Carter. Anyone disagree? The, the year one no, production, think, running backs is scarce. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's a scarce position. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So he had 53%. Uh, the next one was Tony at 19.5. I'm going to Yeah, throw- I, I find it hilarious kind of that we've been going for over an hour and we have yet to mention Kadarius Tony, and I'm somehow okay with that. So – yeah, are you, are you, you guys go. excited? I just can't get excited. I don't know. Was is am I am I alone? What's the what's the deal, Josh? Where are you on Tony? So with Kadarius Tony, you're getting not an alpha wide receiver build, a guy that couldn't produce at all until he was a senior and older than his competition, and like truly, I'm not a film guy, but like you can just watch him and you can talk to film guys. This is. This is a horrific route runner. Like this is this is not the guy that you want in the NFL trying to get open. This is not a separator. Yes, he's great with the ball in his hands, but do you want to know what you have to do to get the ball in your hands unless you're getting a jet sweep? You have to get open. This is not a guy that got open. 
He was just banking on double-covered Kyle Pitts for a lot of his time there this past year when he broke out. It, and then also, look at that depth chart. I mean, at least Galladay's there. Saquon's there. He gets some work. Maybe they cut or trade or something, one of Ingram and Shepard, but then still, like, the other guy's there. Slayton's probably going to get some type of work. It's it's really hard for me to justify him, at least as it currently stands, as the clear superior passing option over Galladay, Shepard, and Engram. And then even Saquon Barkley. I mean, yeah, Tony's great with the ball in his hands, but I'd still rather dump the ball off to Saquon. So mm-hmm. that's why, like, what 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 is his role going to be? Yeah, I mean, what, it was... It, go ahead, Theo. No, it's, Josh mentioned uh, Cordell Patterson. This is the Cordero Patterson of this class. Um, but the small you know, version. The, yeah. The small that version. That name me forever at 104. I'll never forget. Patterson at 104. Oh, oh man, that hurt. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I can under, the guy the guy was a, a quarterback for a while, and then he gets to Florida, and they had him play this running back wide receiver hybrid. And, you know, he didn't do anything till till last season. He had a late breakout age, and – I mean, athletically, he's he's great, but uh, I think it's one of these guys where, you know, they're a bunch, they're gonna, you know, a football he'll have a role on a football team, but fantasy wise, I, I don't see him ever really being a contributor. Um, and I think that a lot of the draft capital you're gonna have to spend to get Kadarius Tony, you might as well send an offer out for Curtis Samuel. Your league right. mate might take the two oh two for Curtis Samuel, and that's your peak comparison for. Tony, if, if everything works out, then he's Curtis Samuel, um, which I do not see happening. So you might as well, if somebody in your league wants to get him, off trade trade that for a veteran. You'll get better better uh, better uh, return on your investment. Shout out to Johnny Guerrero, uh, sh- thanking us for. Uh, I'm sure he's thanking Josh, but you know we're we're gonna jump in and take a big bit of credit with Josh here and and uh, <laughs> thanking for the advice. Guys, before we go to, I'm I'm gonna shoot some quick OTCs on the clock at you guys. But um, before we came on, I made a a, a pretty big trade in uh, Pigs Three. Which, if people who are not familiar, Pigs Three is is a is a beast in its own. I mean, I've been in this league for a few years now. Uh, Scott Fish was generous enough to invite me in there. I think John Bosch actually got me in somehow. But uh, just a bunch of savages in there, and uh, there's. It's you're basically left with a bankroll, and there are auctions, rookie auctions, or like three, four auctions during the year. There's Debbie auctions, um, but it's a. It's really hard to get a quarterback. It's super flex tight end premium, but there's two copies of each team. There's a bunch of teams, so it's just really hard to get kind of those prime position guys, including quarterbacks. So through my whole process and me finally getting myself a QB two behind Mahomes and squeezing behind Jimmy G or ahead of Jimmy G and Dalton, um, I picked up Rogers and I feel like Rogers, I just want to get all, all three of your thoughts on this before we, you know, I know we're talking rookies, but I feel like Superflex is huge right now. And I love finding, we all know it's hard to get the quarterback in Superflex. I look at everyone's rankings right now. Rogers is just down, down arrows are down and I get it, but I just feel like there's two options. He's either going to play in green Bay or he's not. And the Rodgers that doesn't play in Green Bay, I like even more because he's going to be pissed, and he's going to want to look. He's you know he's going to pull a Brady in my opinion. Maybe he goes to Denver, maybe he goes to somewhere like that. But 
Let me know what your thoughts are on uh, Josh. I'll go to you first as our guest on, on the Rogers situation, whatever you have to put in there. And, and, you know, is he a buy in super flex or is he someone you're just, you know what, you're going to let this play out and then you'll, you'll figure out your approach. So what I like about Rogers is that in super flex, you never want to, you don't want your quarterback to tank a season. And yes, I know there's the chance he sits out. I really don't think he sits out. I mean, this is a hyper 100th percentile competitor. Is he really going to be satisfied hosting Jeopardy? Can you guys hear that? Or was that, oh, was that me? No, that yeah. was me. Oh, I, had, I had something all of a sudden came on. So I'm like, I got what? worried I had a pop-up or something. No, that was me. What I like about Rogers is that you know what you're getting with him and he's going to be good. And nothing really tanks a team more then uh, the the quarterback that gets benched midseason or something like Carson Wentz was just so detrimental to all the super flex teams last year. And you're not getting that with Rodgers. And you're not going to get that for what, two, three, maybe four seasons. So that's what I like about him is that so much can change in a league in two to three years. And he's going to be playing in the NFL most likely during that time. And anytime that, and assuming he's in the NFL, this is going to be an above average starting quarterback. So I do like him as a kind of a sneaky buy, especially now that there's this uncertainty that the the hundredth percentile competitor is just going to phone it in for Jeopardy. What? Yeah. This is. Yeah. You think he's going to be satisfied? Don't get taking it. walks on the beach with Shailene Woodley at two <laughs> miles an hour while he watch it while he he watches other people playing football and watches Jordan Love out there. I cannot see that happening. So yeah, I like him as a I like him as a buy, especially with this supposed uncertainty that that he's that he's quitting football and retiring out of spite. I don't see it. Yeah, I feel the same. You guys feel any different, Theo? No, I think it's great Rogers, and and I think it's a joke that people think he'll walk away from the game, especially when he, you know, sees himself as one of the greats, which he is. And we see what Tom Brady is doing. I think Rogers wants to play well into his forties. I think that if he does move on, he's going to go to a team that's going to invest a lot in him. Um, I think he's going to return quarterback one value to you for a long time. Um, we all saw what he could do last season with Devontae Adams and the Miracles at wide receiver. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit better situation no matter where it goes. So um, I think it's going to work out in Green Bay. I think he's going to play week one in Green Bay, and I think that something might happen with the GM. Um, I, it sounds like there might be a little bit of smoke with that, um, but I, I cannot see a scenario where Rodgers does not play week one in the NFL. I think it's it's not going to happen. In case you weren't catching that, that was Greg Kenban, uh, my love's in Jeopardy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dan's trying to replace my broken down soundboard tonight. That's right. I'm, I'm doing the best I, I can with uh, YouTube and a, uh, a smartphone. So nice. You know, we do what we can. All right. Before we uh, do a quick OTC and, and close this bad boy out, we got to give our friends at Viridian Global a shout out to my boy Will Harris at It's Harris Time for uh, sending me this bad boy. I ordered online. He thought it was gonna it was gonna take too long, so he uh, he hooked it up for me. But he he hasn't been feeling that great the last. Uh, few uh days so we want to give him uh you know some good thoughts and hoping hoping that he recuperates real quick but guys viridian global no matter who you're listening to out there in podcast land their brand uh gear is most likely on there we're on there they're comfortable they've got good stuff it fits awesome 
the quality is high end. We got t-shirts, hats, hoodies, toques, you name it. We got it. Um, and other, like other football stuff. If you, you know, you go get yourself a nice goat tee, maybe you pair it up with a little Gibby action, uh, after hearing Josh talk about Gibson, uh, they have a nice, uh, guitar pick with the, with the Gibby, uh, and the logo on there. And they got a bunch of those. So go check them out. Reading global. We're at breeding global forward slash collections forward slash goat district for all your goat gear. Uh, we appreciate any support there guys. Quick OTC, Josh Lawrence or Hertz. Is this uh super flex or one quarterback? We'll go super flex. Lawrence. You, you always want to go with the, the safety. He's going to be a starter five years from now. Not sure about Hertz. That's a very easy and simple. Can't argue with that deal. No, it's, it's Lawrence. It has to be. I mean, Philadelphia has not made any long-term commitment and Jacksonville just used the number one pick on the best prospect since luck. So you got to go Lawrence. Dan, I'll go to Josh last on this one. Etienne or Kamara? <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to hit me on this one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're absolutely one this year, it's got to be Kamara. Um, otherwise, I'm going Etienne because you know I think I think I think he's got everything he needs going for him, and Kamara's going to be uh, you know he's Kamara's crusting right now on his career, and uh, Etienne is just getting started, so. If you're if you're winning now, Camara. Otherwise, give me ATN. I hope I hope nobody ever describes me as crusting on my uh, on any crusting. That's with an E, not with a U. Crust, crust, not crust. You're past the, you're past the age apex, JD. You're past yes. the age. I'm aware of that. I feel, uh, I feel you started like, the long slow slide. There Atiba, you go. Where, where are you at on the running backs? If I was if I was a Slam dunk to win the championship this year. I'm taking Kamara. If not, I'm I'm ETN every time. In a dynasty startup, I'm probably going ETN. Um, but in a in a league like Dan said, I'll I'll just agree with Dan on that one. I think you got to go with the age. Um, Kamara is entering the dangerous age apex. I think his game translates a little bit um, better than some of these backs in terms of uh, a guy who could hold a value as a receiver. But um, you know, once once it starts to fall off, it, it falls off for these running back ones. And uh, ETN should have several, uh, you know, very strong seasons. Josh, you hanging with your rookie one on one, or are you going to AK? I'm I'm going ETN, and I'd say even in win now mode, I'm probably still going ETN just because I don't think he's going to get that outproduced this year. I mean, you could you could make the case that they have similar ish continuity even. Because Kamara is going to have a totally different quarterback. The offense is going to look way different. And yeah, ETN's transitioned to the NFL, but at least he has his college quarterback. So there's going to be that familiarity where the guy that he's lining up behind is someone that he knows he can trust. So I do expect Kamara to outscore ETN, but it could be pretty close. And then with ETN, you're going to get another four, five, six years after this. Kamara, you, you might just get 2022. Maybe you get 2023. It's just... We're never sure with these running backs once they hit 26, 27. So, yeah, I would just take ETN uh, no matter what, honestly. Yeah, I, I say it often. It's the one position I'm an admitted ageist at is running back. To It's so hard for me to draft in a startup any running back over 25. 
um, that, you know, including Kamara, who you guys know over the last two, three years has been my one-on-one and, and I love him dearly, but, um, yeah, I, I, I gotta go with 10 here. Uh, one, one more quick one, just, you might as well hit the receivers. Josh, do you like Chase or Ridley better? Uh, I'll take, I'll take Jamar Chase. We, yeah, Ridley is great. He was great last year, but this has been a guy that's been running really pure with touchdowns year after year. And maybe that's just who he is, but I get worried banking on the players that are consistently scoring an above average amount of touchdowns. And also, yes, he was incredible without Julio. So it's great that he could be an alpha, but I mean, Julio's back this year. They added pits. It's a little bit murky as to exactly how many targets this guy's going to get. And we potentially saw the high watermark last year with him. So I'll take Chase, who I think is six years younger. So that's a pretty big difference right there. Yeah. So I'll take the younger guy who's just the slam dunk best prospect in the past few seasons over Ridley. Theo, I got to go to Dan last on this one because I know he loves himself some Ridley. <laughs> um, I, I think this is a great question. And actually, Chase and, and Ridley are going very, very close to one another in, in Dynasty startups right now. Um, I, I got to go Chase. I think he's a, he's a slam dunk wide receiver one for many years. And I think that he's going to get, you know, 125 targets off the top this year. Um, I think his ascent will be pretty quick. Um, I love I love Ridley, but, you know, the, the age difference and also the fact that I'm a big believer in Chase. I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a nice, fun ride for him in Cincinnati. Dan. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Ridley's won me a lot of money over the years, uh, so <laughs> it's tough to, you know, it's tough to say no to Ridley. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's got to be Chase at this point. Uh, you know, it, part of part of staying on top is knowing when to change horses, and uh, right now is about the time if you if you had that conundrum in front of you to change horses. All right, there you have it. Josh, this has been a blast. We uh, surprisingly enough, Dan, we actually kept it in within the time, which I'm very impressed because we haven't done that in a while. So uh, at Jay Larky tweets, anything else you want to share or promote or tell the people before we close this out, my friend? We appreciate you tonight. No, you you nailed it. You can find me on Twitter, playerprofiler.com. You can check out our offerings. Dynasty Deluxe just launched, so it's an incredible way to immerse yourself in the way that we view dynasty at player profiler you can see uh the assigned lifetime values that we have for every single player and we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming over summer a lot of uh going to be launching towards the end of summer so uh you can keep it locked and loaded on twitter you'll you'll get everything from my, my funny takes to my serious takes so uh you'll you'll get all of you'll get all of my my range of personality there so that's probably the best place to to see it all <laughs> And we, we appreciate all of them tonight for sure. And uh, we appreciate you, Josh, and, and hopefully we can get you back and maybe dive a little deeper into to some of that uh, coding that you do uh, out there in, uh, in that, the Roto Underworld. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I was super excited to be able to come on this one. I know you made it seem in the beginning like Theo was wrangling me and like <laughs> reaching into Josh the depths to like pull me out. But <laughs> no. yeah, when, when Theo was like, oh, do you want to go on? I was like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah. When's the date? Let's do this. So nice. I, I don't awesome. get excited about every guest spot. This one I was definitely very excited about. So yeah, this, this was a blast. Thanks for having me on you guys. 
that is flattering to hear and we appreciate that for sure absolutely yo man you've been doing some uh some really uh great work remind the people where they can find you you've been helping us get some awesome guests but you also put out a lot of goodness for fantasy land so just remind them once again so you can find my writing um at player profiler and uh breakout finder i'm doing the waiver wire columns here on player profiler which i'm very excited about and i'm doing a couple of the team previews um Podcast-wise, you can find me here on the Goat District. Um, I have my triplexing pod I'm doing with Andrew Schellenberg. Um, we've done uh, part one and part two of our 1250 um, startup draft. It's been an awesome process. It's a gr- it's a great new format. Um, I encourage anybody looking to looking for a new dynasty format to check out the triplexes. Um, and we have part three coming up um, sometime over the next few days. And yeah, on Twitter, cool. I'm, I'm the Yogi Fantasy. You can find me on Twitter. And um, yeah, this was a blast. Um, this was great talking to Josh tonight. And uh, I'm uh, super stoked going into the uh, the NFL draft. This was really, excuse me, the rookie drafts. This really, really uh, got me fired up. Dan, we're, we we got a bunch that we're, we're going through together uh, in the next few weeks. We've done one or two, or we've done one now. Um, remind the people where your goodness is at and anything else you want to tell them before we close this out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because JD and I, we, we co-own several teams and then, uh, you know, of course we have our own little stables of teams as well. And it, it seems like all the teams that we co-own are the ones that are drafting right now. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and then, then we get into the ones where we, we kind of split off. So, uh, we're, do, we're doing all of our drafting together right now. And then, uh, then we gotta, we gotta go our separate ways, but, um, yeah, absolutely. This is such a fun time of year with, uh, you know, the rookies coming in and I, I, I just love any time that, the NFL's values are really starting to change a lot because that's when there's there's advantages that are available. Um, some of them only for a short time, where uh, you know you, you see those player values changing. If you can uh, if you can if you can be the one to envision what's what's going to happen first and be right about it, uh, you know you can you can lock in some profits right now. So this is a great time of year uh, to be involved and be paying attention with football. Um, if you're, if you're looking for me on Twitter, I mean, I have not been tweeting much lately. Life has been kind of kicking my ass, but, uh, uh, I'm still out there watching a lot and, uh, you know, every now and then, uh, stepping in on a conversation or two, but, uh, you know, anytime, if you, if you have any questions or anything you want to ask, uh, feel free to, to hit me up, uh, you know, DM me or just, you know, ask me straight out on them streets or whatever you want to do. Uh, I'd be more than happy to, to help you out. Or if I can't, I can direct you to somebody who probably can. So. Uh, at overhyped sweeper drop the finally for sure man check him out he's dan he's theo and and like theo said check out those rotoviz triflex leagues out there on ffpc and check out triflexing because uh theo and andrew are putting up some really good strategy uh info out there for something that i don't think necessarily the info has caught up to the popularity of the actual league so you guys are a bit ahead of the game there so check that out guys Josh, this has been a blast, man. It, it was uh, just just yes. a great overall conversation. One of my favorite shows for sure. And um, guys, just a little quick tip is pay attention to your league DMs. Uh, one thing I didn't mention about that Rogers trade earlier, I, I caught that literally. Uh, the owner mentioned that he needed more money to go make a bid on Trevor Lawrence out in the auction, the rookie auction. And I, to me, that was like, go check out who he's got at quarterback and send him some offers. So something small like that can, you know, really Mm -hmm. propel your team. You know, the littlest thing, you got to pay attention to all the little details. 
get the edges where you can. We're trying to give you that edge on a weekly basis. Hopefully you got it tonight. Thanks to our partners, the FFPC, myffpc.com, Viridian Global, our Dynasty Depot. Guys, if you're on the FFPC playing Dynasty, you can wheel and deal, buy, sell, draft and sell, flip, anything you want with these FFPC rosters. Subscribe, like the goodness we drop on this channel. We'll check you next week. We got even more goodness coming up this month of May. Stay safe, be happy, and we'll check you all as we say. Later. Goat district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash off is the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. traded. And I'll always be traded. Traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Fish.